Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. And we've been uh, teaching on no such thing as a bad marriage. Right away when I say that, we want to resist that. We want to, to push that because of experience, because of what people have uh, experienced in their life. And some have gone through divorce. And by the way, God loves people who've gone through divorce. Remember, the gifts and callings of God are irre- irrevocable. See, the bottom line, what the scripture says, if your lifestyle of that day uh, does not allow you to move into the anointing of God, that's not anybody's fault but yourself. But in leadership of a church, for us to, to revoke someone's call is to come against the very thing that God has called. I know our own organization for years would literally dispel people's licenses if they uh, were divorced. And, uh, but today we don't do that. We're gracious and honorable and we allow the word of God to work and sometimes people need to step down for a while that are in leadership and spend some time in healing and bringing healing in their life. But there's no such thing as a bad marriage. And now I'm gonna say this to you. Because God created marriage. The problem is, is there are people that have done some bad things that created divorce. No such thing as a bad marriage. And today we want to begin to talk about in this series called Marriage Created to Be a Paradise. Marriage is paradise. And why is marriage paradise? Marriage is paradise because of agreement, that there's unity. And when we move into that realm, and I'm gonna show you today. Now, what I want you to understand is this. I am teaching this series trying to help you have a stable and a satisfying marriage. Marriage was created so that a spouse can help their husband or wife reach their full potential. That is your main goal of marriage. It's not a house, it's not babies. Even though a house and babies are wonderful, the reality is why you are marrying because you are making a vow, I am gonna do everything that I can to help you become everything God's called you to be. So here's the question. How can you know you can and will be married the rest of your lives and not become a statistic? How can you know that if you get married, because you know there are a lot of young people today, folks, that are afraid of marriage. They have experienced a lot of pain, and they're afraid of marriage. And and we always hear, well, your people are wise and they're waiting till they're older to get married. No, they're not waiting to get older to get married. They're afraid when they're 18, 19, 20, 21. Because of either of what they've experienced or lack of knowledge of what marriage really is. And I'm gonna show you how do we get to that place in our relationships. Matter of fact, this focus works in your business, it works in your home, it works in every area of your life. So Luke 14, verse 25, it is some, it's a scripture that many people don't understand and so they resist it and they push it away and, and, and they allow the enemy to bring real confusion into their hearts. It says, Now great multitudes went to him, and he turned and said to them, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. That doesn't sound very family friendly, does it? Obviously, Jesus is for us to honor our parents, to love our wives, our husbands, our children, and our family. But in this passage, Jesus is marking or making a comparative statement. He is marking something in our lives that says this is what you need to do in comparing why you do what you do in your life and how you can attain what I've called you to. Jesus is saying, if we are going to have a relationship that will succeed, I am not going to compete with all the other people in your life. What Jesus is saying, for you and I to have this intimate relationship with Jesus, we must see our other relationships in their proper place with him. Everyone got that. And we must see that. Verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See, Jesus had not died on the cross yet. And he says to them, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. To us, the cross is a symbol of the love of God and he paid for our sins and all of these things that we know, the grace of God. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must bear your cross. And their thoughts, I will tell you, went right to the walkway outside of the city where the Romans were crucifying their family members and their friends. Not because they were criminal. Not because they were evil. There were some criminal, there was some evil, but because of their faith, because Romans wanted to make sure that they knew that they were in charge. And so every time they walked out of the city, they saw family members hanging on the cross. Romans, Rome was in Rome. The Romans were an evil empire. And they were crucifying people just for looking the wrong way. And they basically were saying, you mess with me, we'll crucify you. Crucifixion meant pain. Crucifixion meant punishment. That something bad will happen to you. Jesus said the relationship between you and me will produce pain, will produce rejection, will produce persecution and or death. What Jesus was saying to the disciples, what he was saying to the people there, he was telling them, I want you to understand, if you follow me, you might be hanging on that cross. And I'm just wondering, the Bible doesn't tell us, I'm wondering if maybe he was, he was walking uh, in an area where they, were, they just walked by some people who were on the cross. And he's saying, uh, you know, basically a lot of times in Christianity, we feel like if, if we, we serve God, then everything's supposed to be perfect. Jesus in Luke 14 is creating real expectations 
in the minds of the people if they become his followers. Real expectations. In verse 28, it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he, is, that he has cannot be my disciple. You see, the number one cause of a divorce is disappointment. It's not money. It's not sex. It's not children. It's not lack of communication. The number one reason for divorce is they die of a broken heart. And when you die of a broken heart, then everything around you will die. They enter into marriage with a certain set of expectations. <laughs> then these expectations don't come true and they die of that broken heart. Again, every divorce is an act of disappointment. Jesus is an honest God and he wants them to follow him but he won't let them follow based on false expectations. That's why you have people that are running around and trying to figure out God when God explains himself here in the Bible. But they try to turn things around and, and, and skew the scripture to make it follow what they feel, their insecurity, so that they can lead and they can rule other people. That's what cults do. They're insecure people that want to rule others. Jesus turns to them and says, it won't work if I'm not first, and it won't work if you cannot endure some pain. Pastor, again, I came to church to hear some good stuff. But I want to tell you, church, this is really good stuff. And when you recognize the, the, the focus that Jesus has regarding marriage, because marriage is a, a little symbolic. It is, is a, just like the relationship we have between Christ and the church. But if anyone who follows Jesus never dies of a broken heart, you know right up front what it was going to take. It's going to take endurance. It's going to take change. It's going to take something in our lives that really moves us to a place of this, this unity that we've been touching on, uh, especially last week. It will cost you some things. If you want the relationship that God has set apart for you between him, it's going to cost you some things. If you want a relationship with your spouse, it's going to cost you some things. Do not go into your marriage with false expectations. Satan, on the other hand, is a slick salesman. 
and sells us a life of compromise. Satan disappoints every follower he has. He lies to you up front. He builds false expectations in your mind. And it's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Here's a secret of a lasting marriage. Enter into your marriage with realistic expectations. Okay, I know we get quiet on stuff like this. I want to hear an amen. So here is the secret again of a lasting marriage. Have realistic expectations. Many people who get married enter with deep romantic and that's good, but misconceptions, and are set up for a broken heart. Marriage is a paradise, but you must enter into your marriage and live in the marriage properly and not die of a broken heart. What, do I, what am I trying to bring us to? I'm trying to bring us into the understanding there's no such thing as a bad marriage. And that marriage is paradise when we understand it properly. So let me give you two, today, two unchangeable realities of marriage. The first one's kind of long, and, and it's, it's on the screen here. We all have hurts from our past. Quirks in our personalities and ignorance regarding the opposite sex that only marriage will cure. It will take many years for the process to be completed. It's not, I do, I do, paradise. <laughs> some of you, you know, I'm telling you, some of you want to resist because you, you get uncomfortable. You're, you don't like this, uh, you know. Hey, there's nothing wrong, it's all him, it's all her. Today, women get married on the average of 25 years of age. Men get married at 27 years of age. The reason, as the statistics show, is they're fearful of marriage and are waiting to meet their, here it is, soulmate. I didn't say soul train, I said soulmate. <laughs> In other words, the perfect one. Let me tell you the truth of your soulmate. They're messed up. Your perfect soulmate from God have hurts, quirks, ignorance, and don't like the process and want it their way. I'll say it again. Your perfect soulmate from God have hurts, quirks, ignorance, and don't like the process and want it their way. Women are looking for Jesus Jr. <laughs> and men are looking for a baptized Betty Crocker. Some of you young people, Google it. Find out who she is. 
And here's the second reality of marriage. Marriage is a healing journey. When you enter into marriage properly, we are designed by God to heal each other. We need to pray. We need to prepare to be a healer. Listen very intently. Every man is anointed by God to heal his wife. Every woman is anointed by God to heal her husband. Church, that's the secret of intimacy. That's the secret of love. God uses you and your spouse to heal each other more than anyone else except Jesus himself. Look at what Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. How did Christ love the church? He bore his cross. He was crucified. He took stripes upon his back for what? Her healing. And we need to recognize that God has set this up to be paradise. He says, love your wives as Christ did. You know what the word Christ means? It means the anointed one. Now watch what the word is saying here. Men, it says, just as. Watch this, husbands, love your wives just as. You need to underline that, just as. Just as means you have an anointing as a husband to love her into her healing. Let me say it another way. Love your wives as the anointed one. The healer loves the church. I had the privilege of, of doing a, a wedding this past week in Hemet. It was way up in the hills at a farm, and it was, it was just awesome. But that couple traveled 60 miles to come and sit with me as I talked to them about their expectations of their marriage. I told them that they, they knew each other for 10 years, that they don't really know each other. And the only way they can know each other the way they want to is when they say, I do, and then they begin the marriage process. And in that marriage process, they begin to move into that realm and God begins to bring healing. And it's amazing to me when I talk to people that, that like that in my office, tears begin to get in their eyes and go down their cheeks because they recognize that they need to give their all. Women have a need to feel honored and valued and esteemed and secure. 
a loving, righteous, Christ-like man can heal his wife. Men, there might be something wrong with your wife, but you have the power to heal it. You do. Some of the ladies say, but my husband, he's messed up. You thought he was perfect. He's messed up. He's got quirks. He's got hurts. But men, use the anointing on your life to speak destiny into her. Ladies, do you see it? Let me, let me just say this, ladies. Look at me here. You have the anointing too to do this. Yes. To all you single people, don't you resist this teaching. Don't you look at me like, well, you're not talking to me. I'm not married. Let me just say it this way. I'm talking to you. I grew up by Detroit, Chicago. I, I'm talking to you. And the reality is you have to understand, when you begin to understand this, that you die to self and when you follow the Lord in his process, his ways, then you break down every barrier in your life to have a, a marriage that is paradise. You break it all down, and it'll be right there in front of your face. Because you both are co-equal. You haven't been here, get the first CD of this series. You both are co-equal. God has never looked at the woman or the man lesser than. But let's now turn to Psalm 133. And if you get to OSL 5, then you will really, we'll, we spend a whole hour on this. But I want to just show this to you. In Psalm 133, we all know the Scripture. Behold, how good and how pleasant. Already you know the scripture, you've heard it. But I want you to look at the word behold. It means to see this or see it this way. Wherever you are at in your life, whatever hurts, whatever has happened, the rejection, the divorce, the pain, the, the separation, even if you feel like you're in paradise, it can get better because you understand fully what God is saying. And you go through the process. And it is saying, if you see it any other way, see it this way. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the to on the edge of his garment covers the whole body. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What this psalm is, is a beautiful picture where paradise resides. Paradise resides in your marriage, your church, your business, your home, 
everything you touch. This is a beautiful picture and how it happens. Verse one again, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren or sisters to dwell together in unity. Indirectly, this verse, this is what it is saying. How bad it is and how unpleasant it is when we dwell in disunity. The opposite of unity is disunity. Then he begins to describe it, how personal and how individual it is. It is like the precious oil. The precious oil he's talking about is the oil made in particular to anoint the priest in the temple. Uses certain spices, certain perfumes, all the the above, and it is only used to anoint the priest. And it is to proclaim the anointing that is upon the priest in the areas of the Old Testament of what has taken place. And literally, if you study it through, it'll move into the covenant, it'll move into all these areas. But it speaks of Aaron's beard, and it runs down the body to the end. It is picturing of Jesus as the head, and we are the body. Jesus is the head, we are the body. The, the marriage is, is an apex, it's a three-point apex. It's, it's like a triangle. On the top is Jesus, the head, and the husband and the wife are co-equal on the bottom with the anointing of God that flows from the head. The whole body, or speaking of marriage, will have an anointed power when you stay in unity. There is an enemy that hates you, hates your marriage, hates your kids, hates your grandkids, and wants every miserable thing to happen to you. But when you walk in the anointing of God based upon what God created in marriage, in that anointing, unity or agreement opens a marriage up to the healing the husband and wife need, giving them the power of this anointing. See, a lot of people say, well, just lay hands. You gotta have faith, lay hands on the sick and they show the prayer of faith. But when you begin to walk in this unity and this power of unity in your marriage and everything that you do, what you will begin to see is a new anointing upon you, the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you, that will move through you, and it will change everything in your life. That's what God is saying to us. Marriage, marriage is a paradise. Look at Luke 4.18. Watch what this says. It gives you a greater understanding when he said this. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is the anointing that you have. To all those that are single, you base your relationship with God that he is number one. And because he is number one, you bear your cross 
the pain of rejection, the pain of hurt, the pain of waiting. You want to jump in the sack with somebody, wait. Amen. Pastor, you're getting a little bit, you're embarrassing me. Well, good. The reality is, is we get to a place in our life where we think that I got to find this safe place. I got to, the only safe place is to 100% submit your heart to God and to do it his way. Because he said, if you do, you come in unity with me, then I, you will have an anointing in your life to heal. Well, I'm not going to get married until I find that perfect one. Well, <laughs> they ain't perfect. But if you both follow the perfect one, that anointing will flow all the way down. Healing will take place, and you will be one. Isn't that amazing? Verse 3. This is my favorite. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. Now, the mountain of, mountains of Zion... The dew of Hermon is literally talking about that when the snow happens, the water will flow down to Syria, Lebanon, and to Israel. And basically, it brings provision. So Hermon, the highest mountain, the water flows down, it brings provision. And what God is saying here, when you walk in unity, when you walk in unity, provision takes place. When you're finding that provision is not taking place, there's lack of unity. And I found that in the church today. I'm not just talking valley. When provision is not taking place, it's because there's disunity. And we need to break this unity. We should not be negative about other people. When you go to work and you're concerned about your job, get in unity. Because unity will, will dispel, excuse me, unity will, will literally allow the power of God to move to bring provision. Disunity will cause every destruction. Where confusion is, there's every evil work. Disunity is confusion. But watch this about unity, verse 3. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Oh, I got to go to Mount Hermon because that's where the blessing is. No, it's talking about unity. For there, unity, the Lord commanded his blessing. Let me just tell you what that's telling you and me. When we face the hard times, when we know we're in disunity with our spouses, and we know they're just like <clears throat> going on in our homes, I want you to understand it stops the blessings of the Lord. But when you work to be in unity, 
Yeah, but my husband, my wife doesn't come to church. Doesn't matter. You come in unity with what God says. The Bible says, if you follow me, everything else is lesser than your relationship with me. So if you continue to base who you are, what you say, how you react on Jesus Christ, then you will be in unity with him and blessing will happen in your life. And the Bible says that the blessings and the reign of God's blessing will be on the just and the unjust. It will bless your home. But the reality is, can you imagine we as the body of Christ get in unity? The provision and the power of God that can move in this place. Can you imagine when you go home and you go to your spouse, ladies, and say, I love you, but I don't like you. But we're going to be in unity. And we need to sit down and we need to get in unity. And when you do that, God commands his blessing. Watch this. Bible says we're to pray. Bible says we're to give, give back, seed time and harvest. But if you seed unity, what comes back immediately and nothing can stop it is blessings. If you're in unity in your home, nothing can stop God's plan in your life. He commands his blessing. Now, I want you to just picture this, because, you know, we're, we're so blessed in America, hearing, reading, reading books, listening to tapes, getting online, all the different things. But I want to tell you, God commands blessing. In your home, you walk in your home. Lozano's, blessing. Blessing. Why? Because you did something good and now you're a good, no, blessing because you're in unity. Lasio's blessing because you're in unity. I can go on down the line. All of you need to understand this is God's plan. Marriage, there's no such thing as a bad marriage. And when you, if you're here and you're wanting to get married, I tell you what, it is the greatest thing other than your salvation. If you're here and you've been divorced and you're hurting, but your life has changed and you're moving forward, I'm not talking about if the divorce happened yesterday, you want to get married tomorrow. No. That you... <laughs> Take a couple years, please. You know why? Because you're messed up. Yeah. Don't look at me that way. You're messed up. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come in unity with Jesus. Do everything that he has said towards you. And you walk in love and you walk in forgiveness and you walk in these things. And there's nothing but blessing in store. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat>